You are now listening to We Live in a Society. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to We Live in a Society. My name is Anirul. And my name is Ashwin. This week we have a special guest joining us. Hello everyone, uh, I'm Ishan. I am uh, friends with Anirul and Ashwin from college and um, I'm excited to be here. Excited that's actually, discussion that's actually a, a, a lie because I, I met Ishan on r slash deep fried memes. I don't know where you got this college <laughs> idea from, but just wanted to put that out there. Uh, life is my college. <laughs> now, Ishan, as I understand it, uh, you're here to you're here to promote your new baby XAE12. Uh, would, would you like to say a few words about that? Yeah. Um, so at the beginning of quarantine, I was just chilling there. Um, you know, I was thinking about how, how to best maximize my value. And I was like, what if I, I have a child and I, I sell the naming rights? And here we are today, two months later, XAE12. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's an un, unconventional name, but, you know, it's an unconventional world we live in. So I don't, I don't really see why not that name, right? Right. I mean, right. we're living in a society. This is the, the premise of our of our work what we've embarked on to, so to see you living that out is just uh yeah it's really a sight to behold yeah of course i mean i see myself as a shaper of our culture going forward exactly um, right and we're all about culture i mean it, we're we're like if you concentrated the joe rogan experience and call her daddy and did them together get we live in a society but no suit man will tear us apart that and if you got that joke <laughs> you're probably a oh suburban my. white teenager but Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, when um, we when we do our eventual Spotify deal, like I mean, yeah, I mean, at this rate, it's gonna come in probably by like before court. Yeah, before quarantine ends. So yeah. exactly. Uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I've been watching the Michael Jordan documentary a lot this quarantine. I mean, every Sunday, that's uh, probably the thing I look forward to, or I guess looked forward to the most. Yesterday they showed a whack ass. Lance Armstrong documentary that I, I didn't watch. Right. But. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I tuned into that for a little bit where he was just like, he was just like, Oh, like, fuck you. Like he just said that a bunch of times and then like talked about how he was like, you know, like all the drugs he did and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not quite the same, you know, it's just like, it's not, the, it doesn't hit the same. Yeah. No, I, I just like, I, I think that's one thing that's been really cool about that experience is like, it's like really like tied us together. You know, I feel like as a people, as a, as a country for like <laughs> the last like five weeks is like having this like one thing we all tune into like uh and like it's not quite sports but i don't know it has all like that it has a lot of the trappings of it, which made it which made it fun which made it very fun right and i think i i bring a balanced perspective in here having not seen the documentary at all um, <laughs> but having prepared for this discussion by reading the summary in the last 30 minutes so we're covering all Sean, of our bases with our audience here. Sean woke oh, up like an hour ago, Wikipedia, Michael Jordan. And just that. <laughs> I'm actually wildly hungover right now, guys, in case you didn't know. <laughs> oh, man. So it was no, Jordan what were you? In, the, in the flu game. That We'll get to that maybe yeah. later. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, you think he was hungover? No, I actually don't. I, I, I was just saying that for the... For the I think, we'll, I think, we'll, we'll I think Utah that. fans poisoned him, like... I think that oh, was oh you're you're a poison theory guy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's yeah, facts. I, it's facts. <laughs> I mean, the Church of the Latter Day Saints has it's a pretty shady organization. Let's be honest. That's true. <laughs> I think Mitt Romney did it. Was he? Is he from Utah? No, <laughs> no, he's from Massachusetts. He's a Mormon, though. He's a Mormon. But he is Mormon. Yeah, <laughs> he is Mormon. <laughs> he might have sent the directive. Ooh, now this is a theory, right? It's like right, Mitt Romney, Massachusetts, most likely a Celtics fan, right? This team's been, you know, you know, declining, you know, for the last decade or so. So he actually directs the initiative. He may direct right. the initiative to to poison Michael. Yeah, Jordan. he probably has a lot of internal angst because his name is Willard. <laughs> like his real exactly. Name. Yeah, just like just like doing. Yeah, just basing off of that, and then and then he tried to find right. a cool nickname, but he came up with Mitt. Right, and then we have this guy here, Michael Jordan, literally like a pretty like average name, I would say. Like it's two, literally two first names, and he's like dominating a decade. So he's like, you know, he just channeled that anger uh, towards poisoning, using his uh, network of uh, of Mormons to <laughs> poison him. <laughs> to execute and that's how Mitt Romney lost 66. in the twenty twelve. 
Yeah, honestly, right. given that yeah. we're spouting this, you know, on our on our show, I, I'm I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Anthrax comes in the mail one of these days. <laughs> so, well, maybe, you know, I you mean, know. am I saying that tr- like the, the election of Donald Trump is indirectly tied to the flu game? I, I'm saying it's more of a direct connection. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. Right, I'm not not saying that it is. So, yeah. Right. I, we we need brave people like you in our society today. <laughs> so I, I guess one of the things that's caught my eye about the documentary and our reactions to it is the mythology behind it. I mean, the way uh, yes. in which we idolize, you know, sports superstars and really, I guess, celebrities in general. But I mean, maybe for the, the first part of this, we can talk about like, I don't know, have, is, has, that, has that been something you noticed? What? How, how, do you, how have you seen people take their idolization of a, of a sports star to the extreme and what kind of comes with that? Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, I think Michael Jordan's probably the prime example of this. Like one thing seeing this on the, on the documentary, like this, the level of like adoration that people had for him was actually insane. Like I just could not believe like how many people like love this guy. And, um, and you know, it wasn't like, so I, one thing that was interesting to me is like he wasn't like super. It wasn't like a Charles Barkley like super like really funny putting himself out there all the time that kind of thing. He was literally honestly kind of like a corporate guy, you know. Like he did his endorsements and he, you know, uh, he played. Obviously, he was like super awesome on the court, but I feel like he never really went out of his way to like like necessarily like engage with people. <laughs> but yet. In spite of that, he was still like so beloved. In terms of craziness, I mean, I don't know if it's just sort of like just like the hysteria of like one thing that was interesting seeing in the documentary is like when they're in France and like like the French are like going nuts for Michael Jordan. That to me was like, whoa! Like that's yeah, that was that was unexpected. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's something I I didn't know about, I, and you learn every day having not seen documentary. <laughs> This is going to be a fun one. I can tell. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, obviously like having grown up in the U S I think that Michael Jordan's occupied a special space in, in the culture um, because just the, the name kind of resonates with greatness. Um, yeah. Because like, I guess we, all of us have grown up um, after Jordan really retired, like we were born or around the time of his last titles. Um, towards the end of his career. Um, and we, we grew up with people who had seen him playing um, and saw like the greatness and what he had done to achieve the position that he was in. Um, and I think what sort of struck me about this documentary, having not seen it was just being engaged <laughs> in social media um, <laughs> today with the level of um of how it's helped shape how people think about Jordan now. Um, I think I would say I'm a, not the most fervorous NBA fan, but I, I consider myself a follower. Um, and right, right. there's always been the LeBron Jordan goat debate. I would say in the last five years as LeBron has done more and more on the court to um, sort of justify being in that conversation. Um, but in the last few weeks, like all that's been there from everyone I've seen talking about Jordan is that he's the goat um, and how this documentary really like helped reshape that narrative. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting you say that because I feel like some of the more telling fan idolization narratives have come from LeBron fans reacting to the documentary. I feel like the loudest voices actually on, on Twitter haven't been people espousing that Jordan was the goat but rather the people who take every second of the documentary as an offense against LeBron, who as a fact did go three and six in his, in his finals career. I I will, I will say that, you know, we can, we can dance around it all we want. He, he's great, probably second or third best all time, but you know, to, to watch greatness and then react by saying, yeah, but like Jordan played against plumbers is, is pretty telling to me. Right. I feel like the, there's definitely like two camps of people who watch it where it's just like people who kind of just like are just trying to like understand like, okay, like, well, I'm trying to see like what made Michael Jordan so great, that sort of thing. And people exactly who just like try to find like every flaw in like 
everything he did and or like not everything he did, but everything he played against. And like one thing that's also really interesting, um, that I just thought that was, that was cool about like watching the documentary, um, is that, you know, obviously like in a, in a pre like, like social media sense, but even like just like the news cycle in general, right? Like Jordan was kind of able to craft this like mythology slash legacy that kind of like purely on the court. Like he wasn't really doing stuff like, I mean, aside from like the gambling and stuff, which is like kind of came like once he had already won like one championship or two championships, um, it feels like he was largely able to craft this like iconic career, like just by playing a game. You know, I think like, one thing with LeBron, like just like, I know like we well, I mean like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a guy who compares it to necessarily like, right off the bat, but it's like with LeBron, when you look at him, I guess like as a whole, like just like, maybe because also like this is social media, like just like we're growing up in that or just like being in that era, like he's able to maybe engage more through other avenues, but, like Jordan, like, was purely just like on the court. Like that's where you're showing us like who, who he was. So uh, it was pretty interesting. It was cool to see. Yeah. I think you could even argue that the, the reason Jordan um, was able to shape his persona in that way was that he like his entire personality and his focus was on winning. And yeah. that, I mean, that that's always been the perspective even before this documentary <laughs> came out. Um, and I think like is a reason that people, um, cite justifiably as for his greatness. Um, but I think that that dedication and like obsession with winning resonates with people, at least, um, within the society that we live in today. Yeah. yeah. Also, there's also the angle of overcoming adversity with Jordan, I think, because I mean, obviously he lost his father, uh, into the middle of his career, uh, went to play baseball for two years. The body was not in basketball shape, but then comes back and wins three championships again. And I think people really enjoy that narrative a lot and not saying that LeBron hasn't had adversity in his life. I mean, he's, he grew up in a fairly, uh, rough neighborhood, uh, with, you know, I think, I think he didn't know his father. Um, yeah, it was, it was a rough childhood, but, um, his, his, also his life has been under the public eye for, um, since, since he was a high schooler. So that's also something to struggle with, but also, I mean, in the middle of his career, I mean, he did things like the decision, which I think rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I think people are still having a lot, a hard time sort of, um, reconciling that, <laughs> you know, no, for sure. Um, I think in a lot of ways, like you, you talk about like, the narrative, like Jordan kind of had like this, ki- I would say a perfect like, career narrative, right? Like he comes on the scene, right? 86 and, or 85 rather. And he's like super, obviously super awesome to start with, but like, he can't get over this like initial hump, right? Of, like the bad boy Pistons. And then like, eventually he gets over that and he was three in a row and he's like on top of the world. And then, right, exactly. Like his father dies and he takes time off the game, plays baseball, which is like, this also the one thing that is like just absolutely like abs- like insane. Like just imagine now, like if like I don't know, um, uh, yeah, like, like let's say like LeBron or just like any like great like player, just like yeah, I'm just gonna take take a year off to play a completely different sport. Like that's just absolutely insane. But did you know the Dallas yeah, Cowboys actually had a contract ready for LeBron during the lockout season? Yeah, I saw that. They had to play like tight I mean, end for them. Yeah. Imagine if you would follow through on that though. Like that'd be insane. Um, but, uh, yeah, so exactly. So kind of like going through that and then, um, and then obviously winning the three and then like ending on like the winning note kind of, you know, like not having to go like most guys like lose, like their last time we see them on the court, they lose or something, but like for Michael Jordan and on that, then like with LeBron, right? Like he kind of changes the story. Like, uh, he's sort of like in charge of it and changing the story, if that makes sense. So it's like, right. It's like Cleveland and, He's like, no, I'm going to go to Miami, right? And then, you know, win the championships there. Then he changes it again, where it's like, okay, I'm going to go back to Cleveland. And then, okay, now we're going to go to LA, you know? So uh, it kind of doesn't necessarily, like, fit the, like, uh, maybe, like, narrative that makes sense, I don't know, intuitively. Right. I think with what you're going, it's just really hard to separate um, the impact of the 24 hour news cycle and social media from the ability of both players to control their narrative. Um, Mm. And I think LeBron is talked about as one of the best examples of celebrities controlling their own narrative, um, just with how tightly he manages his interviews, um, access to his public life. Like he's like for all that people have to say about him as a basketball player um, and, you know, his, uh, 
not being the goat, um, you can't say that he's really ever put a foot wrong um, off the court. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. You could make the argument that some of his social media um, antics might be seen as you know playing the media a little bit uh, slash advancing his brand, which is which is totally fair. And I think a bunch of other people, like other celebrities, do that as well. Um, right. Case in point: Taco Tuesday is. Just not funny <laughs> at all. But yeah, yeah like um, the, wine, right? the wine thing. Like I was, that was super yeah. funny. It's like this man is genu- right. genuinely alcoholic. <laughs> it's, it's like one thing. Okay, so the one thing that I was, I was, that was super <laughs> funny is that he was like he once said something where he was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I don't want my son to be like you know persecuted or like you know I don't want people to know necessarily he's my son." And it's like you literally named him LeBron James Jr. Like, I think, I think people are going to put together that this kid is, uh, is your son, but, um, no, but you're hundred percent right. I think about the controlling the narrative part. Uh, one thing I think one thing, uh, which again, another reason you maybe should watch this documentary, but, um, just like how, uh, I would say like unself-aware, maybe under you can, you can chime in on this, but like how sort of like unself-aware Jordan is, you know, it's like, he's not like holding back like at all in this, like, uh, in the, in these interviews that, um, that you see him in, in the documentary, you know, he still says like, I see, yeah, I still have these grudges like 30 years later with these guys. Like, like Isaiah yeah. Thomas, like, yeah, like that guy sucks. <laughs> like that's actually like- has these grudges. That's why I like respect Jordan a little bit more in a sense, just because of, because of that rawness. And he actually reminds me of Kevin Durant in that sense. Uh, for, for all the, for all the talk KD gets about snaking, the dude will argue with fans and tell them that they're being idiots. And like Kendrick Perkins was talking shit in January. He was like, Oh yeah. You know, Russell Westbrook is like the best basketball player to ever wear the Oklahoma city thunder Jersey. And Kevin Durant didn't get really get involved, but somebody, somebody else was like, yeah, Kendrick, you're like smoking weed. Like, like that's not true at all. And then um, uh, Kendrick was like, yeah, it is like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean like Kevin, Katie left and then the door was left open for us. And then Katie's response was, yeah, I left because you averaged a whopping two and three in that series, but you played hard though, champ, LOL. <laughs> and I feel like that, that's the kind of mentality Rip. that Jordan had. Like he would not hesitate on calling his teammates out. Like, I mean, he said like, yeah, I thought Scottie Pippen was like, very selfish for uh, not playing the the, the last uh, thirty seconds of that er, uh, of that game and not stepping in for the last play. Uh, same right. thing with the whole contract situation. I mean, he was not holding back. Right, his mindset. Uh, I think it's one thing that comes across like in the documentary, and like maybe it's something also like you just can understand about like Jordan, but like his mindset and just how he viewed the game is so you know unique. I guess where it's like that's probably sugarcoating and calling it unique because, you know, some could say tyrannical, some could say like whatever abusive or or ruthless, but, um, you know, he really thought, I think he really thought in his mind that the only way that this team could win is that like, if everyone has to have to like try to come to my level and I can only get them there by, you know, by being this way. (laughs) And, um, I mean, I guess the results showed, right? So you can't argue with that necessarily. So I think that's one thing that's really interesting, which also adds to the narrative, right? It's like this like ruthless leader, but he's so like, I guess like fearless, right? And like, um, even though his teammates, you know, like one thing in, in that they do in these interviews is like, these aren't necessarily like glowing reviews of the guy. You know, it's a lot of like, yeah, like Michael was absolutely tearing into us like it really is right. kind of stuck and not sound good <laughs> um uh so yeah i think i think those kind of like those factors is just make crafts really compelling uh story one thing i wanted to actually bring up that relates to that is um so you're, you're talking ashwin about um jordan's brand of leadership in terms of bringing people up by demanding that they live up to his standards essentially um and i think that point is really important to me in terms of the discussion of who can be like the quote-unquote greatest basketball player because basketball is five on five right like say what you will about lebron losing six finals um but he had a team around him um LeBron and Jordan won six of six, but he had a team around him. Right. But what, what you might be able to say that separates them is that Jordan just would not accept losing and that extended to everyone around him. And I think that 
it's obviously like a subjective discussion, but I wanted to get your guys' take on uh, whether people talk about that enough and how you think um, like the the discussion of the team that's around the player should factor into this uh, like goat ranking. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, one thing I was kind of thinking about, right? It's like because technically, right? I was thinking with the documentary itself, right? The Last Dance, like technically is like about the bulls as a whole, their last season of the 97, 98 season. They talk about, um, so that's why they intersperse like, uh, in the stories of like Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr and all these things. And that's one thing that honestly does, does come across to me, like, uh, in, in, in this documentary or just kind of like looking at Michael Jordan's like career, like he had probably the best, like, uh, probably like the best sort of a group of teammates that, that could work for him in a sense, right? Like you have like Scotty Pippen, this incredible, um, incredible defender and also like kind of point forward. And then you also have like Dennis Rodman who can just like focus like literally exclusively on rebounding and defense because like mm-hmm. Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen were taking care of and also Steve Kerr for shooting. Um, and then like also John Paxson for shooting in the first three feet, but also like the best coach, you know? So it's like Bill Jackson, right? I mean, like the best coach of all time, 11 rings. So I definitely understand where you're, where you're coming from in the sense of like uh, the best team, like the best player with the best teammates, with the best coach. And so obviously like that dominance kind of, kind of shows, but you know, one thing is like, that doesn't always like happen, right? Like we have like a lot of really good players with really, you know, really good teams with really good coaching, but they're not always, you know, able to win, right? It's like the best team doesn't like always win. Uh, like if I'm, I don't know, like it kind of kind of sounds like kind of weird, but like, uh, right. so I, I, so and I kind of was going returning to like the idea of like the narrative and, uh, in terms of like sports and Michael Jordan, like, I don't know. One thing I was thinking about, right. So like, I was thinking about this other day. So like on Sunday, right. Like Tiger Woods, there was like this, I think the match, I, like, I actually, sadly, my lowest point, maybe of quarantine was trying to watch golf. Um, and so I watched this thing, right? So like watching like the word Tiger Woods or whatever. And so I was looking back, it, it, which I, I must say it actually was like better than I thought. Like it was pretty funny, like a lot of trash talk and stuff. I was looking at Tiger Woods, right? And like how, like he kind of had a similar thing with Jordan in the sense where it's like, at one point it was a super dominant and super like well-liked, but then he has like a lot of like, I mean, like I would say like a, uh, self-inflicted like you know like the, obviously like the cheating and like also like like injuries but then you know just a dui all this stuff right so he kind of like falls and for one point he was like not like lebron james actually was not was very um unliked in uh i guess like a greater sense but then like last year he wins his, like the masters or whatever and like everyone at least like not i mean like the sports people on twitter are just like tiger's back this is awesome like this is really really good so it's like the redemption story i know is like like people like you know, that's like not that's like we yeah we live in a society people love redemption stories but like I feel like with Jordan like he just kind of kept rising like I don't know it kept raising the stakes like there, I feel like there wasn't really that much of a fall except for in the early years you know he wins a three p and then like I mean the baseball transition but then he just comes back and does it again and so it's just like I feel like he just keeps rising or it's like there's not necessarily a fall it's more just like a, a stagnation I don't know if that's making any sense but uh, kind of just going through that. Yeah, I think that makes sense to me and sort of relates to another point that when we, there's a difference between living through um, in a, like a, a series of events that are happening. So like, you know, Tiger Woods career comeback um, versus how we see Jordan's career now, um, having never experienced it ourselves. And we kind of paint things in broad strokes. Like we're going to remember like the most important events and However, they've been defined by like the people who remember them. So like journalists, Michael Jordan himself, like whatever was actually recorded um, for this documentary. Um, and I think I, I want to quickly plug um, something Andrew had said um, when we were talking a little bit earlier that um, the person who invented the word narrative should be shot because um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like we're getting to a point where it's uh, sort of loosely defined. We're kind of just saying it. It sounds nice. Um, but the important thing to remember is like, whatever the narrative is, is shaped by the people who are involved in it. And then the way we remember it is going to be a little bit different from how it actually went down. Right. Yeah. And of course the, the media, I mean, like, look, the fact is right now we're, we're in a, uh, let's just say the, the bar, the bar for what, what, uh, 
canceling is has been way lowered by the likes of Kevin Spacey and, and Harvey Weinstein. So now I think people, when, when you bring up Tiger Woods' infidelity, people are just like, oh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Whereas back that, then... That's a take. That's a, well, right, I, I, mean, like, I, mean, I mean, back then, uh, pe- people, frankly, none of this stuff had come to light. So when when you right. find out that Tiger Woods is cheating on like his, his wife with like six different prostitutes or something... You're just like, oh, how dare he in this in this good Christian nation of America, like right, right, soil the the, the great name of, of golf and, and stuff, right? So it's like, <laughs> right now, now if that were to come out, it positions to just like a, just a broader discussion of like like sex work economics and like paying the worker. Um, that's pretty, changed <laughs> exactly. No, hundred percent. Well, actually, one thing just like speaking of that, like the idea of like the people who who talk about it shaping it. I feel like one thing it's also added to sort of like the myth, the mythology, Jordan mythology is the fact that like after he retired, he hasn't like necessarily like said a lot, you know, he's kind of like, he's not like super open. Like, I mean, other players, I don't know. You have like Charles Barkley, what kind of mentioned earlier, even like Reggie Miller, um, you know, they're like kind of more in the national spotlight. And then like Jordan's not really, it's like, yeah, he owns the Hornets, but I mean, he's not like really necessarily like making like public statements or anything like that. So I feel like just like the mystery of it just raises the um, sort of profile of, of his his career. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're just talking all the time and people start to to filter out what you're saying, it just carries less value. Mm-hmm. Uh, facts, yeah. Yeah, who's somebody? Who's somebody that people was maybe used to value their opinion a lot, but but now just kind of brush off. I'm trying to think. <clears> hmm. <throat> I'm trying to think if like Dennis Dennis Rodman falls in that category. Although actually he doesn't he doesn't speak that much. Um, Except to Kim Jong Un, like yeah. <laughs> maybe like we get a doc uh, about that. Yeah, George Takei, which is an odd example, yeah. but like, do you guys remember when like there was that phase where like you know everyone was like valuing? Oh yeah, we love our sci-fi actors and characters, and love when they speak about social justice. And George Decay was like one of the people who's like, oh yeah, like LGBTQ representation. But then, so since then, I think like he just posts every day about how Trump is a chump and th- like just kind of lame, lame, <laughs> right. lame criticisms that don't really add much. Right. My my, <laughs> my friend is a term for that, where he just call he just calls it like Orange Cheeto Man bad. Just like <laughs> it's just like like all like political discourse on Twitter is just like some variation of that, like. You know, people aren't really saying anything. It's just like, oh, orange Cheeto man, bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, add some value with what you're saying. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh man. Um. But uh, yeah. No. I mean, to an extent, like uh, <laughs> that even applies. I feel like to sports, the idea, like if you just consistently put out something, like eventually, kind of just kind of gets for not forgotten, but like people like pay less attention to it. Like I'm thinking of like kind of like Tim Duncan in his career, right? It's like his style is literally like. It's just like, I mean, it's like basketball, it's most like efficient slash like, you know, just like rote, you know, like I mean, his, his nickname is literally like, like the big fundamental, right. <laughs> you know? So he's literally just throwing like the fundamentals at you night after night. I mean, of course he's a great, great player, like best power forward of all time. But like, I mean, that's literally, again, he's a guy also who doesn't like speak out like that much, really like no endorsements or anything like that. So I mean, his kind of, his kind of like his great, uh, his greatness is sort of like a little bit diminished in, in, a, in its perception of it, at least just because like, he just kind of threw it out. So in a, such a rote way. Yeah. And then there's the polar opposite of that too, where it's like, you speak so little that anything you do say does make news. And I think we can all point right. to Kawhi Leonard as, as that example. Right. Where his laugh is news. Yeah. Oh, no, Kawhi. Co- <laughs> <laughs> Kawhi Leonard's Twitter is like one of the best things I've like one of maybe like one of the best things to come off of that website because it's literally I think one of the few posts I need to check this uh, recently but like one of the few tw- posts is literally like a deep fried picture of him shaking hands with President Obama from 2015 when they won the championship and he only follows like like two like three people it's like the spurs account san antonio wing stop and like <laughs> and like new balance or something like, the fact that he's able to like be like like a little bit relevant player in the sense of like people are talking about him and like like who's the best player in the nba right now those kinds of discussions despite the fact that he is like 
like negative social media impact is is pretty astounding. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely a good point, Ashwin. That's a it's a definitely a deep fried meme there. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, even even something like when he when he says board man gets paid, that's like now a shirt and like almost a, bra- a brand in and of itself right so it's, 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 it's a very interesting thing i'm curious uh though to hear you guys' uh thoughts on just sort of like how do you think the media and not not this is even like beyond sports like how do you think the media treats um celebrity controversy generally yeah. <laughs> definitely the first one that comes mind is definitely not not nuance i don't know the opposite of nuances like in nuance i don't know but like definitely like not that actually like just like an example of something that i sort of came across recently i was watching the movie i tanya on hulu if you guys have checked that out super um really really interesting um but it's about like the tanya harding scandal basically which is like i can't believe i watched a movie about a figure skating scandal like i like like what <laughs> but anyways like one thing that kind of like you take away is like like the media basically just milks this story for whatever it's worth and then literally just moves on um, to like whatever else like is is I guess like news like can, can get the most like attention or can make them like the most money and just like gotta like leave these people for granted but I, I don't know I guess that's just sort of the way way it goes with like celebrity culture yeah it's kind of um, toxic but yeah nuance is the not not the word here and I actually had uh, an example of something that I, I wanted to talk about was, I don't know if you guys are super familiar with what happened with um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle recently with their withdrawal from the Royal family. Um, yeah. But I, I also am not deeply informed on this. I read one New York article, so um, fit, fit me in where you will, but uh, it was just fascinating to me how the Royal family, like the position it occupies in British culture, because they, are basically funded to live their lifestyle by taxes from everyone in the country. Um, and in exchange for that, basically people expect that they will open their lives up to the media and um, Harry and Meghan Markle were just fed up with it because first of all, like Harry is the son of princess Diana who obviously died in the nineties when she's being chased by paparazzi. So mm-hmm that's like one big theme that's already in his life. And then Meghan Markle is coming from America. So she's like not at all used to this. And I think her experience, like the way she describes it and like people who know her describe it is just um, the sort of injustice with, or, or lack of control with the portrayal by the media of their lives and generally the obsession with it. Right. Um, I think that's, one extreme, but definitely characterizes how I think um, the media treats celebrities right now. Yeah, yeah, I I am in agreement. I also think the problem is almost deeper than the media, though. I think it's the the fingers has have to be pointed back to us uh, and everyone everyone who engages with uh, the machine. When, whenever I, I start my mornings, I, I check Twitter, what's trending on the for you page. And every single morning, without fail, it's always at least one hashtag that's like, celebrity is over party. Now, I cannot express to you how much that phrase pisses me off. Because A, just because you tweet that hashtag doesn't mean that you're canceling anyone and they'll probably still have a career. B, you're canceling someone at the expense of somebody else that you're a fan of. And see, it just like, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just annoying. It just like feeds into the negativity around, uh, you know, people that are actually like human beings, right? Like, I think a lot of people are like, oh yeah, they're celebrities. They're rich. They should be, they should be able to take it. But, you know, I mean, it has, it has real consequences. So I I don't, I, I don't understand that argument. I don't understand why we keep buying into it. I don't understand why we participate in it because, you know, yeah, I don't know. We can, there are a lot of thoughts about this. We can we can get right. into it, but I'm just curious for sure. I think one thing um, that applies to sort of celebrities is like we kind of hold them to a different standard than we hold like normal like people. So it's like I guess like I don't know when people like in our lives or people that we know maybe like would make a mistake or, or do something that we don't like. Like we're I, I don't know we're, we're, we we sort of like are more easy able to like, understand slash forgive or like you know, engage with that sort of like dialogue, but like with the celebrity, like 
I don't know. Yeah, they're held, they're held to the standard of like kind of being like somehow um, like entertaining like solely that, and then they can't really cross. But oftentimes, right? So it's like like their like empire or whatever. Their wealth is built on the entertainment of others, and that just gives gives them like enormous power. And so I don't know. I I guess like we just we give them that power though, right? So it's like we just kind of like enable them to. Uh, to we kind of put them on this pedestal but then also are like trying to bring them down simultaneously it's i don't know it's mm-hmm. weird yeah i'm like i don't know like is that like i guess it's like a societal thing like i'm not trying to be like i know we're our, we're you know we are the we and we live in a society boys but is that like a society is that even like a human thing like is it is just that solely a hallmark of like just living in like a modern of modernity i don't even know i don't know i feel like i can drop into some pseudoscience here and say like <laughs> the human mind was not prepared to understand what happens when billions of people can see what happens in one person's life and like the impact mm. of that mm-hmm. right um, <laughs> i don't know if i can say yeah. anything beyond that without getting into like you know right fake, more and more and more <laughs> fake science but i think that that's like the the question there is like should we stop this like we know it's not going to stop but like then is it ethically wrong like should i stop like following whatever happens on twitter should i completely unfollow people on instagram who like like actors and um sports people so forth i don't know kind of no question it's 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 a good point um and you know i think a lot of a lot of the time the the criticism is like what's the actionable solution to this what what are we supposed to do about it and the issue is that i think people will conflate like one person's misdoings with the entire negativity of celebrity so for instance um cancel culture is probably the biggest uh and most egregious example of this cancel culture started off i think as like a legitimate thing uh, when Harvey Weinstein and uh, Kevin Spacey were, were exposed for their like heinous acts of criminality, right? Because because like, also, I mean, those are legitimate like crimes. You know, like these are yeah, like, liter- legitimately like yeah, like they violated the law. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly. And I think I mean it's been used appropriately for other you know celebrities who violated the law or supported people who violated the law. Um, but now it's sort of morphed into like, if anyone does anything you kind of disagree with, then you're, you're, you're canceled and people should stop supporting your material. And for whatever reason, like in the music industry, especially, or even in film, it seems to be like one fan base that's trying to cancel like another fan base's celebrity, which kind of makes no sense to me. Uh, a couple of examples of this are like, you know, Every other week I'll see, you know, uh, Katy Perry is over party or like Lady Gaga is over party. And it doesn't necessarily make the most sense uh, because they'll say like this celebrity is over party and then promote some other celebrity. Like, for example, Ariana Grande. But if you look into Ariana Grande, she's repped by Universal Music Group who are 10% owned by Tencent, a Chinese company with a sordid history of like funding like terrible human rights abuses. Uh, but you know, if I put out a tweet and said, Oh yeah, Ariana Grande is like 10% of each song stream is going to go to 10 cent, like cancel her because she supports <laughs> Chinese human rights abuse. <laughs> like the cycle is ongoing is what I'm saying. Like if, you, if you're, if you're morphing the definition of canceling somebody, we're all going to be canceled. Like one thing also is like context. Like, yeah, to your point, right. It's like, like Ariana Grande, like this is simply by like putting out music right you you could argue it's like yeah it's funding like human rights abuses in china right <laughs> it's like also like, the context of like yeah like freaking thank you next is is killing like children like um, the, only thing that's, the only thing that's killing is pete davidson's like career like prospects but um yeah, yeah. but uh which i think he's we're actually okay. pretty well uh, not, not, <laughs> you're not right well. he doesn't move come out you're right yeah, you yeah, actually might raise his yeah. profile yeah yeah. <laughs> really, yeah um but also I mean, one thing too is like the context of it's so, like like in terms of canceling, right? Like the one open, an example that comes to mind, like it was kind of like a few years back with like James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, like has these like I don't know, like like the people were trying to like get him off the project and like succeeded, 
um, and getting him off the Guardians project because they showed some like like controversial tweets that he made. Like uh, it was like oh like, like, like the people who were like canceling him were like oh he's like joking about incest and stuff and it's like you see the tweets and they're literally just like a guy in like 2013 making some pretty bad jokes on the internet but it's like it's like clearly like the context of it is like he's not actually like like a uh like a pedophile or something you know he's just like a guy like you know um and so so actually like, even like the actors on who are a part of guardians of the galaxy so we're talking like, like even like the celebrities themselves like uh it was like chris pratt and zoe saldana um like they like are signing a petition that are like no like he to disney saying like keep a james gun aboard so like even like it's like even like celebrities themselves i don't know like because they get the I, context yeah yeah exactly so it's like kind of understanding that because I mean, yeah if you take like any like thing like at its at its uh at, like verbatim it just automatically gets spin zoned into something right like out of our control yeah, Adam Driver was uh, trending a couple of weeks ago. He was trending because people claim that he's Islamophobic, right? No context for that at all. But I look into it, and the basis of the argument is that he went and joined the Marines after 9-11. Like many other young men did because of the national climate at the time, didn't really actually see all that much action and actually left the Marines because of, like, you know, it was a stressful and traumatic experience. And then founded a, uh, you know, a therapy... Uh, or nonprofit organization to help veterans uh, yeah. kind of cope with their trauma through art, and somehow that equates to Adam Driver is Islamophobic. Like, like this is unreal, right? No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I read that that the interview with him where he's like, where exactly where he says that same thing where he's like, um, yeah, you know, I joined the army after nine eleven. He literally says afterwards, he's like, or he says like right after that, you know, I I was young, you know, I didn't really like know where my life was going, and so I thought, well, let me join the army. Right. And so I can't believe that like he never even mentioned uh, Muslims. He didn't even really mention like Al Qaeda or anything like uh, that has even relates to Islam as a religion, let alone Islamophobia. So, uh, right. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, like, like that is not even like a, a twisting of words. It's, it's literally just like creating meaning out of honestly like nothing, you know? So that, that's kind of honestly kind of scary. But yeah. yeah. And you're hurting people, like you're hurting people, right? Like, you just put that right. tweet out there and there the, the, not everyone is going to is going to like have the self-awareness to like look into exactly what the comments were they're just going to read that and, and be like oh yeah this guy's an islamophobe and they're going to tell five other people who are going to tell five other people and it spreads and yeah you've just you've just resulted in like a village's worth of people hating on a man for nothing right right yeah a tangential question i had that I've been thinking about that I don't have a good answer to is um, say someone gets canceled and it, they're, they're rightfully canceled. So like Kevin Spacey man was not doing good things. Um, and you say like, okay, like what does that mean to cancel him? Like, okay, we're not going to let him be in any more movies. Then how do you think about the movies that he's already made? Cause like, let's be honest, like he, he was a good actor. Uh, right. Like a lot of his work uh, is, is good to watch. It has like some value in it. And then there's people like Michael Jackson, who by many accounts also did some pretty bad things to some kids. Um, and, you know, when people play Michael Jackson's music at parties, it's not like most people are going around like saying, oh, like I've canceled Michael Jackson. Like, we're not going to listen to this. But if you put on like House of Cards, people are probably going to bring up what Kevin Spacey did and how he's not like a so-called, he's not really accepted in I guess the, the circles we walk in. Um, so do you think it's possible to separate um, someone's like actions in their everyday life from the art that they've made? I mean, honestly, I mean, yeah, that's like a, it is a, a loaded, it's a, it's a, like a tough question, sort a big of question. Answer, but it's a big question. Right. And so I'm sure people, ageless lost, question. Yeah. Right, age, honestly, ageless question. I'm sure people, We'll continue to debate this before us, then they will, you know, continue to debate this like long after us. But but not during, because we're the only ones who are going to be debating this right now. Yeah, we're the only ones who got this right now. Um, we live in a <laughs> society trademarked that. it. Yeah, we live in a society trademarked that. I mean, honestly, like when an, I feel like when an artist like makes something, 
when by the when they put it out, like when it's released to for people to see, it's like they kind of don't really have control. They don't really like own it like anymore or like, control it, right? So like you think about like I don't know, like someone like putting out a movie or something, right? And it's like like people like different interpretations of that. Like the artists themselves can can be like, oh, I actually meant this when I made this thing, but it's like ultimately the interpretation and uh uh and consumption of your of your work is, is just going to be, you know, like up, it's, it's, it's up to the people really to decide. Right. So it's like people, um, sort of make that create meaning like from that, like, I don't know, like Hillary Clinton saying like, I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. Like, you know, once she says that, like now it belongs to the people, like it's a line, like it's, it's, it belongs to exactly. So it's like, you kind of, you kind of like, so in my opinion, that kind of like divorces you a little bit from, from like the work itself, you know? So I feel like in reality, like you can like consume it. Like another, another good example, like similar to Kevin Spacey, like this guy, like Roman Polanski, like yeah. the director, right? Like he's made like some like incredible movies that like are studied literally like in like film classes and like people are just like, this is like some of the best, like really, really influential works too. But I mean, even a quick Wikipedia glance at this guy and you're like, Oh my God, this is some messed up stuff. But, uh, but in terms of his, like as for like, as for his like future career, like going forward, like, yeah, like you can cancel maybe that aspect because the guy's literally like committed like crimes and stuff. But the previous work, I feel like it's sort of divorced from the artist in a sense. So, and it has this col- this merit that really can co- can collectively sort of enhance like not the man of the world but like a community right like people watch like Rosemary's Baby or something and all of a sudden they're inspired and they're like oh my god I want to make something like this and that just like inspires like more stuff like creatively or like like listening to Michael Jackson and you're like oh my goodness like I want to make music or something like that you know so right I don't know if we can like cancel it out right just because right. the art doesn't the art doesn't necessarily belong to the artist, at least in my view, like after they've put it out. Yeah, there's a whole corporate liability angle to this thing as well because I don't think um, Kevin Spacey's agency slash the the studios that he has signings with want to um, ensure that he keeps making money off of the products that he's given. Uh, because it brings disrepute onto the studio itself. So right. they, I mean, there's probably clauses in there that allow them to ties. Right. Yeah. I think I, I'm fairly sure actually house of cards uh, lost the, the whole incident lost him $6.5 million in future earnings, not only the salary of the final season, but also the rewatch revenue. Like from that point on, I think royalties would not go to him. So right. uh, from that standpoint, I think like, you're uh it's very aligned with Ashwin's point that you're not exactly directly supporting the artist but from a from moral standpoint i mean look i've been thinking about this a lot and i'm like to what extent are some people actually canceled right because yeah spacey kevin spacey sure i actually don't know many people who were like diehard kevin spacey fans before right like we can all kind of generally right. accept that's like yeah it's yeah. like he's a good actor like we, we can all give that it's like he's not but we're, yeah. no one's like oh my god like yeah, yeah. harvey weinstein though toss. i mean he produced uh inglorious bastards and django Unchained and a bunch of tarantino movies and a bunch of other award-winning movies that Tarantino fans and probably film buffs as usual are going to watch Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards multiple multiple times over the course of their life. I don't know whether that money is going to to Harvey Weinstein or not, but you know they're still watching his movies. So I don't know to what extent he's been truly canceled, other than the fact that the fucker is in jail. <laughs> you know, right? Like, um, but his media hasn't been canceled, is what I'm saying. Um, should it be? I, I think there's I think there's an argument that like. It shouldn't because like, yeah, one man's actions suck, but there are editors, there are, um, there are producers. Okay. Not producers because they funded the thing. Editors, backroom staff, uh, like extras that all earn royalties from this. And many of them aren't in like the financial position of like, uh, Quentin Tarantino. And they actually rely on this, on this revenue. So if, if like people kind of stop watching those movies, uh, even if they like them, j- just 
from the moral perspective of like, I'm not going to support Harvey Weinstein anymore. You're also kind of killing significant revenue for a lot of people who like had nothing to do with the man. You know, I personally think you can separate the, uh, the, the art from the artist in most instances. Um, unless you kind of like know for a fact that he's, that that person still owns their, their masters. R Kelly, for example, R Kelly, I think has full ownership of all his music, but he's like done some very horrendous shit. Uh, as we all know. Right. Uh, and I think that actually had an instant impact. I don't really see anyone playing R. Kelly anymore. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So, and, and that is something that solely benefits R. Kelly. <laughs> like, that's a piece of art that solely benefits R. Kelly. Um, and then thinking about, like, okay, whether whether you can actually cancel um, some people. I mean, it, it just goes back to, like, having robust fan, pace, fan bases. Uh, we can get into this a little bit later, as I, I'm sure we will, but one of the major people that I think has been tried to be canceled many times, but you know, hasn't been is Kanye West. You know, he's had like innumerable controversies over the course of his career, but his shoes sell out. His music sells out. He has adoration. Uh, and I mean like, you know, every, every so often you'll see the hashtag like Kanye West is over party, but it does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. No. Yeah. I mean like, we started with Michael Jordan, right? Like, it's sort of like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of think of the, some of the parallels between him and Kanye West or a sense that like, like if you're good enough at something, if you are talented enough at, at doing something, like your leash is just longer in, the, in mm-hmm. terms of the stuff you can get away with. So it's like Michael Jordan can get away with being like <laughs> a complete jerk to his teammates and stuff because he's so good at basketball. And to an extent like Kanye West, like, like uh, unless he like, commits like a, again, like a crime or something like, he's honestly kind of like uncancelable just because his music is so not only good, but just so like pervasive, like in the culture that, um, again, yeah, it's so pervasive in the culture. That's almost like, like it, it's hard to sort of like tie it almost to him. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like by canceling Kanye West, like it, it, it wouldn't even necessarily happen. Right. Cause he's just so entrenched in so many different aspects of our culture that it, it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Kanye for me is I think I wouldn't say I'm someone who goes on Twitter and actively fights the people who are trying to cancel Kanye whenever it happens, but his music resonates with me. Um, I think he, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of his, his fashion, but I think I, I admire him for trying to push the boundaries in whatever he does. Um, and what he's actually done that might lead people to want to cancel him, quote unquote, is what like being a supporter of Trump um, saying that black people chose to be slaves. Like it, a lot of the times it feels like he's really just stirring the pot, um, which it, I guess goes back to the lack of nuance that cancel culture has, um, which I think we're trying to get out with our discussion here. Um, yeah. Like what does it mean to cancel someone? How can you cancel someone? Right. Lack of context too. Um, it gets lost because you see the headline and that's all, that's all that's kind of, kind of there. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, that right. That, and also like, like you said, it was like, you see the headline, like, and that's like literally what most people see, right. Even you think about like Twitter as a platform, which I, I'm only using Twitter. I mean, even extend to all social media, I'm using Twitter just because like, it is sort of like the platform. I feel like news gets dispersed like really quickly. So it's like, like in Twitter, there's a account, right? There's a small, there's a limited number of like characters that you can even use. So like most people, what people are going to see are, aren't like, like actual like, discussions or investigations even. It's just like a couple sentences on, on something. So it's just like, Oh, okay. And of course, like, yeah, people are just like, okay, we'll just take that, just take that simplest explanation sort of and just, and just run with it. When oftentimes like the more you sort of like, look into something you realize like wait there's just like, a lot more stuff going on here mm-hmm. um yeah yeah and you know i mean i i think i think there are, there are things about about yay that are valid criticisms of like yeah he gets caught up in his ego a lot that's that's been his pervasive thing throughout his career something he's acknowledged to give him credit but still it's there and you know absurd shoe prices and he's a terrible communicator like <laughs> he'll, he'll be thinking one thing but he can't say it uh Right. But well, wasn't there like any airdrop? Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did any airdrop like a PowerPoint to you guys at that uh, at the album 
release thing that you went to? Yeah, he he went, he airdropped Jesus is King posters to all of our phones, um, <laughs> which is kind of cool actually. But it, it is cool, but too like, much of a purpose. Because <laughs> you also communication. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but five G, um, can you airdrop to anyone? Oh my god, the government's going to try to airdrop something to us on five G. Into our brains. Airdropped Corona to all of us on five G. Ah, god. That's um, next episode. The five G conspiracy exposed. <laughs> Save some content. Five <laughs> G discussion gone wrong. <laughs> the gang gets five uh, G. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. That's something I'm surprised about. Like, why? Why? Why hasn't it's always sunny been uh, quote unquote canceled yet? I feel like they are the most heinous. Like. Uh, oh yeah jokes, jokes on tv like by far <laughs> you know I, I would have thought that somebody would have been like oh my god i couldn't i can't believe that uh they made dennis into a psychopath like i don't know you know i feel like the sense i've gotten in the last few years whenever i've brought it up is that people are either have seen like almost all of the show or have never heard of it it's, yeah. it's got a very niche but dedicated fan base yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> um no but th- i i i think i think some of the things that we're discussing are, are pertinent especially as we go forward in the world and put, you know any one of us could could blow up for something we w- we once said or or um or tweeted out i'm i'm sure i'm sure that there are innumerable group chats that we have from the age of like 10 to 12 where maybe we like had a limited understanding of some of the social justice issues going on in the world or some of what, like, what's appropriate to say and what's not and have made c- remarks in those group chats. Is it, I mean, is it fair for those to come up and haunt us when we're, when we're older? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, to, right. It's like, cause like there, it becomes then very subjective, right? Like where that sort of period ends where it's like, it's sort of not acceptable, but like, uh, understood under under people can understand like maybe like yeah you didn't have this uh concept this grasp of like this greater social situation but there's a time where that kind of ends right we've seen it with like these sort of like colleges and stuff like rescinding admissions because students said something you know like a yeah. racist in a group chat right so it's like like personally i'm of the opinion that like but yeah when you are a kid like kids just be saying anything right so it's like you know you don't really know but like some people maybe would extend that to even maybe being like uh whatever like ten to through twelve they're like you know what you're you know you're you're developed enough to have like a personality so maybe you should like that you shouldn't have said that thing and then um because it seems like when you get to like sixteen or seventeen it's like okay you're like you're in charge of what you say so if you say something bad like you're gone so um uh I don't know to an extent yeah, I mean, right yeah no so you can keep going you can keep going. Uh, uh, yeah, I was just going to say there's the problem, I guess, that we're trying to talk about here is that there's no clear rules and it just seems kind of arbitrary. Like whenever a mob forms up, um, with enough people who care about someone who did something wrong at a certain point, um, and we're not necessarily comparing it to any moral, like fixed point, right? Like if you are beyond this point, then it's wrong versus like before that point you're okay it's kind of just like okay like someone did something wrong like i don't know if like they might be like have been 16 but we don't like them or it's convenient for our uh our purpose right now to to attack them then um then let's go for it right that's that's just kind of how these things shape out exactly Exactly. right yeah and you know and none of us are advocating for like oh yeah if like there's a criminal out there, you should continue supporting them because they're, they're only human. That's not the point we're trying to make. We're also not trying to make the point that, Oh, you know, like just because like, just because you're, you're supporting somebody uh, that means like you agree with what they have done or everything that they've said. I think we're just kind of saying like, if you don't like someone, you know, don't support them. You know, nobody's asking you to engage with their content, but also don't come after other people who might enjoy their content and say that, Oh, because you're listening to this person's song, you're supporting all the negative things that they've done or like things that they've said, the non crimes. 
uh, if you, if it if it were, because the more you dig into who represents who, who invests in who, you can tie every cent back to some injustice the, the injustice that's going on in the world. And at what point are you going to start canceling everyone? We live in a society. We live in a society now more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh my goodness! Um, it, it, like yeah, exactly. We're like we have to. You guys have to draw the line somewhere. You know, so um, yeah, I'm canceling you, by the way, for for taking an Uber because the Saudi Arabian, uh, what's it called? Uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund owns a decent stake in Uber. And, you know, they've committed many atrocities. Right. That's a great example. Right. Or even like, you can try to just be like, you know, like, you know, Travis Kalanick, you know, uh, he uh, you know, there's like there's a, a sexual assault allegations or like abuse allegations. So it's like you right. shouldn't have an Uber. But it's like for most people, it's like, OK. I was between Uber and Lyft and Uber was cheaper. So I took an Uber, like, you know, so it's like most, most right. of these decisions, right? Like I bet like that's for, even like, even with like non monetary decisions, right? Like even like just like listening to a song or, or watching a movie or something. It's like, I don't know. Say you wanted to watch think of a Kevin Spacey movie, like uh usual suspects. It's like, okay, you just watched like a good movie. It's like, I just was wanted something to watch. I, was, I wanted something. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a political state. Yeah. Which I think is also kind of like where social media plays into it because it's like in social media, people get these like snippets of your life and it's like, okay, well like thus if they did this one thing that they're posting about or that I heard them say or do, it's like, this is just who they are. Like as a person. And it's like, I think most people are just trying to like, just do the most like basic things, I guess. Like I yeah. don't know, there's not a whole lot of like, um, it's like, oh yeah, I watched, you know, I listened to a Michael Jackson song, so I, I'm I'm like I'm supporting. Like, I completely like <laughs> in full support. It's like it was a catchy song, came on in the car, didn't want to turn it off. So yeah, it. yeah, it's and yeah. Do I think do I think that Travis Kalanick is an asshole? Yeah. Do I think that Uber probably shouldn't have taken uh, money from Saudi Arabia? Like probably not. Uh, that, yeah, that. yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Saudi Arabia is dubious in general uh, in the geopolitical climate. Yes. Do I also think that Uber is fairly convenient when, when it, versus like, you know, me renting my car and, and driving it? <laughs> right. It's like, also, I'm yeah. pretty drunk. It's 2.30 a.m. <laughs> just kind of want to go home. <laughs> like, right. right. So, so yeah. I, I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to get at is I, I think some listeners might think about this and be like, oh, hey, we live in a society, people. Are you saying that just because a corporation has done something bad or somebody has done something bad, we can't like hold them accountable. No, like, yeah, absolutely. We should. And we should be like lobbying for, you know, companies to get their shit together, not making shady behind the the door deals and uh, just increasing transparency. And we should be holding people uh, accountable for when they do detrimental things. But just because we engage with them in the casual ways we do doesn't mean we support it. Right. And I mean, I think at the end of the day, like what, what happens when your, your group of 10,000 Twitter cancelers go out and cancel someone like they're, they're still there. Like you can still access everything <laughs> that they've ever done. Like it just means that someone got mad. Like, right. And, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that there, there's no, and so like, maybe you do then feel some like social pressure. Like maybe I shouldn't talk about this person's work or, um, maybe this person is not relevant in this current climate, but um, I think it's it's possible to talk about things intelligently um, in the way that I, I hope we're trying to get towards in this discussion here by saying like, oh, I think you can separate an artist from their work. Yeah. Like, seeing that is, it's like a valid point that people can't deny necessarily. And if you, if you feel differently or have another uh, take on something, I mean, please feel free to, to DM us on Instagram or, uh, you know, shoot one of us an email. We're, we're happy to further the discussion beyond the parameters of this podcast because it is something that's going to be going on for a long time as we get more and more data points. Right. And as we continue in quarantine, these dissections of media and culture, I mean, pretty much are all, are all we got. So I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people will just... We can do, we'll probably just take this and then and build on that and and go forward. Yeah, definitely. Well, Sean, you know, I know, I know, I know we're running the course of the discussion here, but any, any other kind of final thoughts you want to put forward out there, whether related to this or sports or XA 12, you know, um, I, in this day and age, I'm, I'm grateful that we have, um, things like cancel culture 
and and Twitter to talk about uh, when I've been stuck at home for two months and <laughs> have started watching uh, old cricket highlights from 2004 because <laughs> the, the, the England cricket board posts everything on YouTube. So, you know, just a- engage with your friends, ha- have these discussions, keep life spicy. That's well said. Well said. My, yeah, coronavirus does not discriminate when it when it cancels. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Exactly. Nature's cancel is Corona. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Nature's canceling all of us right now. So we <laughs> we got to think more about the empathy that we might want to develop for one another. Absolutely. We're all we've got at this point. Exactly. But uh, hey, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And uh, until next episode, we live in a society. We do. I can't